Hello everyone, Brian here. If you'd like to support the Head Games Podcast, I encourage you to check out our Patreon page over at www.patreon.com forward slash headgamespodcast, games spelled G-A-M-S, of course. There's all kinds of exclusive content and perks waiting for you over there, so please go ahead and check us out, and thank you as always for your support. everyone and welcome to the 10th episode of the head games podcast i am your host brian gottlieb here with me is my co-host mr jonathan carter jonathan we're on our 10th episode can you believe it yeah that's double digits yeah time has flown by and it's funny i've always been like anti assigning significance to big and round numbers it's a very silly thing to do right like we say Mm -hmm. oh the hundredth something is important or the tenth something is important it's kind of laughable and then I started doing podcasting and I get really excited about big round numbers now. I don't know why, but I love like 10th episodes uh, on the game podcast. We're coming up to the hundredth episode and I'm super yeah. excited about it. Uh, it. It's funny how my mind state has just changed like that as far as the significance of big round numbers goes. Yeah. I think when we recorded episode one in my mind, that was crazy. Like, oh, whoa, we are, we're doing this thing that we talked about, but, but I did not have 10 in my head as like a number we would hit as silly as that sounds saying i know no i i get what you're saying entirely it's it seems like uh we we take what we're doing at the time and we have a hard time looking beyond that at what's coming in the future i'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in future episodes of head games maybe episode 100 who knows Whoa. <laughs> so we are here this week to talk about a very exciting topic um at least as far as i'm concerned i think it's very exciting we're going to talk about our own psychological weaknesses this week before Mm -hmm. we do that though we're going to do our usual thing and check in on last week's episode yeah a potential weakness that you had prior to last episode very true um and this was not the thing i expected to kind of gain the most social media traction (laughs) over the course of this episode or generate the most response from our listeners but all over the place, be it on Twitter or in our Discord, everyone wants to talk about my efforts to not drink soda and are joining me on this quest to take soda out of their lives. Uh, And I come back with good news. I have not drank soda since the last time we recorded. I am now instead hopelessly addicted to Trader Joe's green tea, (laughs) which I have been uh, slugging down like it's going out of style. Um, But yes, I, I guess success. I can claim success at this juncture. We are, we are doing it. So I guess we can kick that Coke and Pepsi sponsorship uh, kind of out of the realm of possibility. Well, they probably own everything, right? Like they probably it's, own Trader true. Joe's. Yeah, still like, ha, we, we got him. Right. No matter what you think you're endorsing, you're ultimately just endorsing one of like seven, seven US companies and that's the end of it. They own everything. Right. So That's um, awesome to hear you're still going. I'm curious how how the last week has transpired. Uh, so I will not lie. The first two days were horrific. Like just hor- to an extent I really didn't expect. Like I was virtually incapacitated on Saturday. I didn't feel like I could get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I had a headache literally all day and there was nothing I could do about it. And keep in mind that I was not cutting myself off from caffeine. Like I mentioned, I've been drinking green tea, certainly has caffeine in it. Um, But it was just the, I'm assuming, I don't have any medical basis for this. This is just my assumption. I'm assuming it was withdrawal from artificial sweeteners. And you and I talked prior to the show. I mean, realistically, since I stopped drinking regular soda and started drinking diet soda, I've probably had three or four diet sodas almost every day for a period of like 17 or 18 years now. Wow. Uh, which is incredible to think about, but I guess I get why my body's so upset right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, very dramatic change, but yeah. but it got better over time. That's all I can say. If, if you've just started trying to maybe take soda out of your life, it, it did get better. And I basically feel pretty much 100% now, a couple headaches. Um, but otherwise, it seems like I am on the right path. Yeah. I'm not glad to hear that you struggled, but I think it's useful for anyone listening to hear that because we've had a bunch of people talking in Discord, like people have 
rallied behind this idea of, of quitting soda, which I think is awesome. Um, and some people are asking, how do you do it? Uh, like some people are talking about just replacing it. So some someone was talking about they're getting juice now at lunch instead of soda. And so there's like steps that they're taking. Uh, I don't have like very good advice for how to do it because I did it quite similarly to how Brian did. I, I think it's almost like 10 years ago now that I stopped drinking soda routinely and I just stopped. And I had a similar experience. The first couple of days were awful, um, but I stayed with it. And so something that worked for me and it works now like with other bad habits, if I'm trying to replace them is I just set an intention for myself of like when I go to reach for or grab a soda, then instead I'm going to get a water or an iced tea. And it's just like this, I don't know, mantra in my head, so to speak of I've pre-planned what I want to do um, because your body does want that stuff and it's going to seek it out. Yeah, I'd like the idea of using a replacement effect a lot. Um, so I've given up a few vices over my life now. And look, everyone's different. I'm not saying do things this way and it will always work. Everyone has their own approaches to thing, things. For me personally, if I give myself license to quote unquote wean myself off of something, mm-hmm. I it doesn't work for me. Like there's something in my head. Well, like that says something to the effect of, okay, you've done this one time. Does it really matter if you do it a second time? I'm an all or nothing type person. So if I say I am done with this, I need to actually be done with it. And I can't give myself the license to say, well, I can have a soda today because um, whatever reason I want to make up Mm -hmm. because that opens the door for me to have a soda another time. And eventually it just starts the spiral where it's back part of my life again. And I think you could apply this to a lot of you know, vices, be it drinking or maybe smoking. I I think it applies in a lot of those situations where if you allow yourself that one slip up, you're kind of opening the door for future slip ups. Yeah. Or I even think of times when it's not necessarily um, like having a soda, but I know that there's been times when I'm less good about consistently going to the gym. It starts with, oh, well, I'm tired today. Work was really rough. Like, I'll just get back to the gym tomorrow. And then like a week has gone by and Mm. (laughs) I've missed the gym every day just because I gave myself an excuse that one day. Right. And I mean, it was was kind of a valid excuse that day. You think I want to be at my best. It doesn't do me any good to go to the gym Mm -hmm. tired. I'm I'm not going to work out optimally. So what's the point? Anyway, I think that particular excuse is particularly telling because... As we get older, I find I feel tired a lot and I don't have the same stores of energy. And to do these kind of more physical tasks, uh, you know, I've mentioned I'm training for a marathon now. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of days where I'm like, I really don't want to do my run today. I don't feel good. It's rainy out. If I just take a day off, it's not a big deal. And I have to talk myself out of that. I feel like it's essential to go because there's going to be a lot of days where there's a built-in excuse and you just kind of have to battle through it and step up. And if a goal is important to you, you're going to have to make those sacrifices along the way. Yeah, this conversation and even just when we were doing the cast last week reminded me um, one of our patrons, someone in the Discord, um, Jacob Birch said, uh, someone else was asking for me a question and his response was like, I'm just saying, quote, listen to what your body says, end quote, is Jonathan's most repeated advice. And I think it's absolutely right. And my, my asterisk on it is going to be, listen to what your body says, but make sure like you're, it's not trying to trick you. So like mm. when, when Brian's body wants that soda, like that's not what he should be listening to. He should be listening to the fact that when he stopped drinking soda, his body felt like crap for two days. So like, I think when it comes to nutrition and it comes to sleep and like exercise, like definitely know your body and have this self-awareness, just make sure you're being your own BS detector of, of making sure that you're listening to the right tells the right conversation. Yeah. It's kind of telling, right? Like we can shape the narrative from our body however we want. I could take that as, oh, my body needs soda. Or I can take it as my body is violently rejecting the fact that I let myself become this addicted to diet soda. And now this is the consequence of it. And either one of those readings kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because I'll become a deconstructionist of my body and just totally disregard <laughs> all signals from it at all times because yeah. I don't trust it anymore. But there is something to say that 
when you're trying to achieve a goal, it does a lot more good to look at the interpretation that works in favor of you achieving whatever you're trying to get to, if that makes sense. Right. We have control over our body's narratives to some extent, and uh, it's important to exercise that. Yeah. And and you listened to the right narrative and you're a weekend to not drinking soda. Yeah. Hopefully continued success. You know, we'll check in from time to time. We don't need to do 10 minutes every week on <laughs> yeah. my struggles with soda, but I, I'm glad we had the chance to talk through it. I know it's something that a lot of people have hopped on board with, and I'm super happy to hear that. But I do want to get to our topic this week. And like I said, our topic this week is a little bit different than kind of our approach to shows in the past. And, you know, as we get comfortable with head games and we're 10 episodes in now, I think you listeners are getting a sense of who Jonathan and I are as people. I think you have a sense now that Jonathan is extremely knowledgeable, uh, you know, has a deep passion for his field, has a lot to bring to the table. Uh, as far as your interpretation of me goes, I don't know where that stands. It's not really important. The main thing is I work as a vehicle for Jonathan and uh, you've learned to tolerate me. So I appreciate that. But as we get comfortable with each other and you start to understand us, I want to go outside the typical box that we operate in. I think there's a lot of value in us just presenting a topic and, you know, moving through a step-by-step approach, defining the topic, uh, discussing its impact and giving solutions or ways to improve on whatever it is we're discussing. I think that's a great show formula and it seems like people benefit a lot from that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to try some other stuff. And this week and next week are going to fall a little bit under that other stuff category. And basically... Jonathan and I wanted to sit down this week and just have a conversation. We just wanted to talk through some of what we identify as our psychological weaknesses. And I'm glad that we both saw this as a valuable thing. And Jonathan, I'd love to hear from you why you see this as a valuable exercise for us to undertake this week. Yeah, I I like this exercise, especially paired with what we're going to be doing next week. Yeah. we mentioned a couple of times we're going to be talking about our strengths. I think it's really important to have some self-awareness about the traps you tend to fall into or just certain habits or behaviors that sometimes get in the way of stuff that matters and whether that stuff is the performances you're trying to excel at or the relationships you have. I think all change starts with some awareness. Awareness is like that base level. And so the combination of being aware of where you're lacking with figuring out how to maximize what you're good at is a nice recipe for like making a plan for, for tackling anything really. Yeah. Spot on. I I mean, I think we've talked a few times about taking inventory of ourselves Mm -hmm. as, as we've done these episodes and To me, thinking about my psychological strengths and weaknesses is very much taking inventory. And by doing so, I can start to identify things that I want to work on. I can start identifying things that, you know, maybe in the moment I don't always see as a problem, but they are affecting either my performance or relationships or a bunch of other things. I I just think it's useful to um, check in with yourself from time to time. And you can't be learning unless you're picking out spots to learn, right? If you're just going about your day and and not looking for ways to improve, it's hard to squeeze improvement out Mm -hmm. of yourself. You have to have some kind of target. And that's not to say everything needs to be, you know, we talked about deliberate practice in the past. Not everything in your life has to be deliberate practice. But I do think some background awareness of, oh, this is a weakness of mine. Maybe I can do something to improve it. Uh, carrying that with you throughout your days, I think that pays a lot of dividends as you go about your business of just living life. Yeah. And I don't know about you when you were sitting down or just thinking about what we were going to talk about for your weaknesses. Uh, But for me, these aren't necessarily things that I wake up every day. And then if I check in at the end of the day, like I failed at doing this, like some Mm. of I, I'm aware of these weaknesses now to the point that it's not like I'm not actively trying to fix them at times. It's just 
I think the common thread between the weaknesses I'm going to talk about are if I'm not actively trying to improve at them or I forget at all what has made me successful in the times that I don't have these weaknesses that like my default mode is to go back to like being weak in these areas. That's a great way of stating it. I, it's, it's weird. I feel like we all have this default personality. Uh, I mean, there's probably something there about ego uh, and id, mm -hmm. not a psychologist. I'm not even going to try, but <laughs> I, I know that in some instances, my default personality, my easiest personality doesn't necessarily line up with the best version of me. It's not mm -hmm. who I want to be all the time. And being the person I want to be takes a little bit more effort. And that's where I think a lot of these things play out is that I may default to having these issues and you know, bringing them up as just a way to make sure I, I'm not defaulting there anymore. I'm working to improve on them. Yeah, that makes sense. So that being said, you want to kick us off? You want to give us your first weakness and we'll start there? Sure. Um, I'm glad I can talk about this one because so we kicked off this show talking about gratitude and how important it is. And it is, and I, I don't know if we even got to the point where it's also important when someone else is sharing what they're grateful for or what their good news is, like how you respond really matters in terms of your relationship. And there's all sorts of research to go into it. And I'm, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some time, but my, it, it takes work for me to remember to be good about how I should respond to other people's good news. So my, my default mode, if I'm not being good about it is I tend to be distracted, not make deliberate time, uh, or respond in ways that is just kind of like, uh-huh, cool. Yay. Great. Awesome. And, and doesn't really allow that person time to elaborate on whatever it is that they're trying to share. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Do you have a hypothesis where this comes from? Why do you find yourself unable, maybe not unable, why do you find your default mode isn't more engaging with people's success or triumphs? I think it really varies on who the person is. Uh, I think part of it goes into just in general... I'm really good at maintaining a singular focus on stuff, which we'll talk later gets into being a weakness in other realms. But I think some of that is if I'm in the middle of doing something, I'm very good at continuing to do that, whether it's like I'm in the middle of doing work or just reading something stupid or researching something that sometimes I stay fixated on that. And so it's like, uh, especially in the year 2018 we have our phones everywhere we have computers so if i'm in the middle of doing mm -hmm. something it's like i don't always remember to like close my laptop and put it aside if like my wife's sharing something with me or if i'm on the phone with my sister um like i'm probably also doing something else and so i'm not necessarily good at shifting the attention sometimes i see so i i think it's pretty easy to see this as a weakness, I'm assuming your main objection to this being part of your default personality comes from just, you want to be more engaging with people. You want to be more receptive to their good news. You want to give them the kind of like feedback and validation they're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's just not your natural reaction. Is, is, is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, in, in particular, until I became aware of the research, which the, the like bottom line of it is like, if you respond to someone's good news in a way that allows them to elaborate on it and, and share mm. that experience that that builds a relationship and any other way you respond to someone's good news over time will erode that relationship. Um, this became very apparent to me with my sister because so my sister still lives in New York. It's where I grew up. I've been not living in New York since 11, 12 years ago before I went to grad school. Um, so we've been long distance forever. So most of our conversations are on the phone or they're by text. Um, 
So it's really easy to excuse distance. Um, additionally, right. like if my sister shares good news and I have concerns about it because I'm a big brother, that sometimes my, my mode is to go into big brother mode, especially because our parents aren't around anymore. So I feel even more the need to like be that person with the infinite wisdom of the year and six days extra I've been on the planet than her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I just like, I think those those values of wanting to be a good big brother, uh, like sometimes get in the way if if her news is at all like concerning to me. Um, yeah. And like when my dad got sick six, five, six years ago, um, the like year leading up to him passing, uh, it, it was like a wide, like it, it, it opened me up to this weakness more than anything else because like it's a very trying time for my family, obviously, and my sister like we had been at a point where we were talking every single week and then it's like you would think people reach out to each other most when times are trying and like i I remember pulling up facebook and seeing a message like feeling lost like you know you can put like the emotion or whatever on facebook and so my sister like reached out to facebook as like things suck i'm lost like i don't know what to do instead of like giving me a call um which lines up with research. Like if you're not there for someone's good news, eventually like that's how it goes. And so mm. I, I put a lot more work into it since then, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I struggle with from time to time. Yeah. I think I'm glad you brought up the family context and I appreciate that. I'm sure that's not, you know, an easy thing to talk about, but I, I think this is a, a common thing that's going to hit home with a lot of our listeners and hits home with me. I, th- I think in the family context, we're more apt to kind of be resistant to good news just because you don't, you so desperately want to protect that person from mm-hmm. anything bad that could happen from, to them. So you're always searching for where does this go wrong? You know, what could possibly happen? I, I remember when I got my job with the firm in New York City and I told my mom, about the salary package they were offering. Her response is, they're not going to pay you that. They're lying to you. <laughs> and I understood where she was coming yeah. from. Um, I, I, I get it. And it wasn't, I don't think it was that she wasn't happy for me in the moment. No. I think she was worried that someone was going to take advantage of me. Right. Snake oil salesman. Um, right. Right. Exactly. But you... If that becomes your default mode, I it definitely does damage your relationships. I've done it myself. I, I know for sure that it can be a problem as far as getting those close bonds. And it doesn't surprise me that there's research to support exactly that. Yeah, I, I can. I, I don't know for sure that the conversation that led to like that eventual erosion was this, but I can recall when my sister first got a, a promotion to the point where she was like a regional fashion director i forget the exact title um but like she'd have to be traveling around new york and you're from new york originally it's a lot bigger than people think it's not just the city uh so she was me traveling all over like northern and western new york which in the winter months is not very easy to navigate uh so my instead of like being excited and asking her what the job was about, I went straight to like, are you still driving a Toyota Corolla? Are you, (laughs) (laughs) and do you realize that that's going to be like really difficult to drive during the winter? Like, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Which like, if you're her coming to me with like, I just got this promotion. It's so great. And then we go to like talking about winter tires, like you're probably not more likely to come to me next time you have good news. If that's the emotion that you associate with that conversation. (laughs) That, that's such a great illustration of the principle, right? Because it, it comes from a place where your default reaction is just like, I need to protect, I need to offer advice, I need to make sure everything's okay here, which is an admirable reaction to have, right? It, it's good to have that kind of loyalty and that desire to protect. But at the same time, you're missing the point. Like you have entirely missed the point of this conversation and you know, you're know you not offering the type of feedback that she was looking for. Um, and only through self-awareness and like thinking about this as a weakness, are you able to kind of change those conversational patterns that I think a lot of us just default to. Right. Um, anything else you want to talk about with regards to that weakness? 
No, I think we hit it pretty good. What about you? Yeah, I, that that was a great kickoff. I, I appreciate everything you shared there. I, I hope I can come with the same um, level of insight with my own weakness. I doubt it somehow. <laughs> that but, sounds like uh, a weakness. <laughs> it could be. We might get to that as time goes on. I wanted to talk about a difficulty I have, and it has bitten me so many times and certainly will continue to bite me throughout my life. I have an incredible, an incredibly hard time understanding how to balance confidence versus humility. Hmm. And this has manifested, I'll, I'll get into stories as we talk through it, mm-hmm. but it has, it has cost me relationships. It has cost me opportunities. Um, basically, I want to be the type of person who is proud of what I've achieved. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, share my good news with people. I, I want to um, celebrate when I work hard at something and I'm rewarded for it. All those things are very important to me. At the same time, I don't, I don't really know how far to carry that. I have a hard time being like, okay, I've now crossed the line from being proud of something to bragging about something. Mm. And this is a good callback to to our episode on imposter syndrome, right? In that instance, we talked about how if you aren't sure you deserve something, maybe you will then look, take steps to inflate your own worth and make sure people know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I definitely earned this. Don't worry. I totally deserve everything that's happening around me um, by kind of giving this false confidence. And in some cases, it may have been that. In other cases, I think it was just pride. Um, and I guess this is where I will share this story because this story, it's something that has haunted me for years, actually. I I don't feel good about how I approach this. And this is where I really started coming to terms with this weakness and realizing there was steps I needed to take to do so. So some context, I was starting law school and prior to starting law school, I was a bartender and I worked about. 20 hours a week, made pretty good money, was happy with what I was doing, played a lot of Magic the Gathering, uh, and generally had like a pretty easy, carefree life that was based around not working all that much and getting to do the things I wanted to do. And I think a lot of people in my life took that as laziness, no drive, no ambition, which to some extent I agree with. I think that's accurate. Um, in other ways, I think it was just, I didn't really know where I wanted to devote my efforts. And until that time, I wasn't going to pretend like I did. Um, so when I told people I was going to law school, it was met with a lot of trepidation kind of people who didn't think it would go well for me, who said I would never be able to, uh, go to class. And let's be clear through college, I didn't attend classes. It was rare when I went to class. So they had, so their concerns are justified. Their, their concerns are justified. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Anyway, fast forward to my first semester of law school. I do incredibly well. I actually am first in my class after my first semester of law school. And I took the opportunity to go on Facebook, share this with everyone possible, and basically say, uh, F off if you ever doubted me. <laughs> and to me... This was about pride and working really hard about something and achieving something and, you know, proving doubters wrong. That was important to me as well. Uh, In retrospect, especially with the culture of law school and the way how important class ranking is and how much uh, stock is really put in it. And the fact that by that time I had made friends with some of my classmates and They were certainly my Facebook friends and saw this post as well, which immediately disseminated around the entire law school. My class was only like 240 people. So Mm -hmm. I would confidently say all 240 people knew about this post and and saw it pretty soon after. Mm. Um, It it very clearly defined my reputation throughout the rest of my time in law school. And I just didn't see that when I was making it. For me, it was a moment of triumph. It wasn't about saying I was better than anyone or, or trying to rub anyone's nose in it. It was just like, I did this. I'm really proud of this. I worked really hard and I want my friends to share in this. But in retrospect, 
I understand that this is me completely misevaluating the room, not understanding the line between confidence and humility. Hmm. I, I also hear and hear like it feels like the cause of that is more along like your concern for what other people think. About oh, for it. sure. For sure. And, you know, as we move down this list of problems, I think a lot of them you could roll back to concern for people's perception of you. Yeah. Um, but that's not something you can control. I mean, I mean, ultimately, people will think what they want to about you. You have some influence over it, but people are always going to reach their own conclusions. And when you give them means to justify a conclusion like, this is the most egotistical person on the planet. How could he possibly post this? Then that's a pretty clear place to get to. And I don't fault anyone for perceiving a post like that in that manner. So, so your weakness then you're saying is you have difficulty evaluating whether or not something is what you should be sharing. And if so, to what degree versus like, is it overconfidence? Like, are you justified in being confident and like foregoing some humility? Well, I think, I think it's internalized too. It goes further than just what I shared because there's also the question of like, why did I need this for justification, mm. right? Like, why, why did it have to be this that I wanted to share? Why couldn't I just be proud of attending law school? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the whole thing is like silent confidence is is worth so much more than loud confidence is, is just what I've learned over time. Yeah. Um, you know, trusting in your own belief to do something. So, so this is a good kind of twist up of the manifestations of confidence and how it relates to outward perception of you. And like all this stuff ties back to self-worth, right? It, it's all cycled back around to, well, is this about internal confidence or external confidence? And the truth is, I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure exactly where it falls on that spectrum. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. had like, so I didn't have that same experience. I didn't like <laughs> Facebook blast my entire cohort or anything. Um, but yeah, almost an opposite experience that led to similar feelings. I have a good mentor and professor who is super successful in the performance psych world. And like, if someone had the desire to brag about what they've done like this person is totally justified in, in bragging um mm. and i've i've definitely struggled over the years with a desire to be recognized for things at times and i just mm -hmm. remember one event it was like a there's like a yearly conference uh for for our field and he was getting an award for something or like as as he should like he has a lot of award worthy accomplishments and i just remember when when he accepted the reward it was like a very short like quick thank you to like his other colleagues his wife and kids and that was it it was like a couple sentences and he just left the the spotlight so to speak and i just mm. remember in that moment just ex like watching that happen made me feel so small because I couldn't wrap my head around how he just did that. Mm. So you're thinking like in your position, you want to give this grandiose speech and, you know. Yeah, like shout it from the rooftops, man. You just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I didn't necessarily have an accomplishment where I was trying to, to shout it, but. I was trying to figure out how I could possibly be as humble as he just was. And at the time it just would not compute. Yeah. I I've been through that aspect of it too, where I, so one of the interesting things about the magic, the gathering community is that it's very difficult to, It's, it's difficult to get get like credence for your ideas. Mm -hmm. People generally don't put a lot of stock in something you're saying unless you have some kind of resume or right. if it's history a, of results. If it's a pro tour winning that. deck list, then you can accredit it. If it's you came up with this silently and a lot of people played it, 
it doesn't matter because you didn't have success. Right. Yeah. This used to drive me insane. <laughs> insane. For years. I, anytime I would uh, proliferate a deck list and a bunch of people would play it and there would be mention of it and I wouldn't get appropriate credit. I would be so outraged. How dare they not credit me? I built this. I deserve credit for it. And at some point it's like, wh why? Why <laughs> am I so concerned about what people think, whether they know I accomplished this or not? And it goes back to um, exactly what you're describing, like just being comfortable and and internally confident as opposed to externally confident. And maybe that's what this is more about than anything mm. else. It's just like, where does your confidence actually have to lie? And for me, for com for confidence to be real for a long time, it needed to be external. I needed to tell everyone how great I was. Right. And that was how I defined confidence. As I've gotten older, I've begin to understand that's, that's not what confidence is. Confidence is taking your actions, having internal belief in them, being comfortable with them, regardless of the consequences, essentially. Um, but confidence blasted from the rooftops like this, the, the way you phrased it, it's just not worth that much. It, it really doesn't mean anything to anyone except yourself. Mm -hmm. You're making yourself feel better while probably simultaneously injuring others opinions of yourself it's funny too because the people who do get a ton of recognition for success aren't the ones who are often the like screaming the, the self-promoter like yeah yeah it's super interesting I, I see it a lot now I, in all sorts of card games i feel like it's it's relevant in other strategy performances too but it's 2018 everyone reads everything like Mm -hmm. there there is no original thought which is perhaps a very strong take on it but there's there's a seven billion other people on this planet it's pretty unlikely that you are the only person who had a certain thought or idea and like execution matters but if you think about that like it, yeah good for you. you you thought of it figure out how to like be excited for yourself and if you're constantly waiting for someone else to to validate you that's like we've talked about control in the past i mean you're just leaving it up to chance hopefully someone notices you because if they don't you're probably gonna be pretty sad spot on be excited for yourself that's how i would sum up all of this and it's something uh, again this remains a weakness of mine it's something i still struggle with and also by the way i can see the argument that like by bringing up this story i'm still doing this like instead <laughs> of just broadcasting this to my entire facebook group i now <laughs> i now told 10,000 people who listen to our show every week and i see the problem with that as well i hope people understand i am doing this as an example of what not to do yeah. not in any way to share this accomplishment or anything like that it's, it's just like i want to be open i want to share these stories and this was the clearest one i could find you also mentioned that your other podcast is about to have its 100th episode <laughs> i know just i just kidding. can't <laughs> shut up about myself seriously <laughs> throw me out of here that's an, i've had it with myself the rest of the show is just gonna be jonathan it's okay take over jonathan we're, you're, you're on we're now. talking about weaknesses so you're allowed on this one okay good <laughs> i'm glad i found a way back onto the cast <laughs> Uh, so I think that just about wraps up what I have to say about that particular topic. Any any follow up on that you want to share? Mm, no, I think that I think we hit that one. Okay, you're up. And, and by the way, I think that this in depth discussion kind of didn't know where this episode was going going to go when we planned it out. I like this in-depth discussion of a few topics, so I want you to grab your best topic right now. I'd rather do an in-depth discussion of a couple topics than you know waste a bunch of time mm -hmm. on these kind of fringe issues. So what do you have for me? What, what's the real crux of your performance issues, your greatest psychological weakness maybe? Mm. I don't know about greatest. I think this is like, this pales in comparison to the relationship woes the first one can cause. Um, mm. I think you can put a bunch of mine into a similar bucket like i don't know if it's chicken or egg in them um i have a tendency to just get completely lost in topics uh seeking data trying to complete things to i don't know if i want to say like an obsessive sense but like if i want to find out about something i just go 
zero to 60 and I read everything about it. Or if it's like a, a goal, I'm, I just go full into it. Um, and it at times affects the first bit we were talking about where like sometimes I'm just too focused on something to think about other people and what they're trying to say to me. Uh, it also makes me really bad at menial routine tasks. Like sometimes I just, I used to forget bills be- until I figured out a system for like automating them. But like I'm, I'm exceptional at getting really lost in the completion or seeking of knowledge. Uh, and it, I just like go on forever. Do you think this is also a strength? It can be like, I think it, yeah, uh, sure. Some of my knowledge or my successes have happened as a result of this. I think Mm -hmm. why it can be a weakness is it's really hard for me to pump the brakes before completion or to like realize in the moment that I didn't eat dinner or it's like one in the morning and and I'm like still doing whatever it was I was doing. And it's not even always for constructive stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what I was going to say is that's when I really think it goes to being a weakness is when this, because look, I'm with you a hundred percent on this one. I very much have the same approach to things and get way too deep on a topic. It was funny. I was browsing Twitter yesterday and a video popped up from like a Twitter comedian who I've seen a bunch of times. I'll find this video and post it in the show notes, but it basically the premise of it was uh, drinking water before you found the subreddit for drinking water and after you found the subreddit for drinking water. And intro one is basically like him being like, oh, this is good water. And then video two is him going off for 45 minutes about how <laughs> the pH is just right. And he likes a spherical glass as opposed to a, yeah. a wide glass. It, it, it's really funny. I'll definitely share it. But that's exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. And like even that, I mean, Knowing the pH of water sounds more useful than some of the crap in my head. Like we've mentioned in the past, it's come up like different games we've played. Uh, I've mentioned that I played quite a bit of World of Warcraft in my life. And I think that those types of games are a great illustration of what I'm talking about. When a new game comes out that requires like some form of leveling or progression in it, if I play it, it is like... I, I am not satisfied or quenched until I have hit whatever the maximum is. And then even if I hit that, like you have to min-max your gear. And like, I'm just constantly searching for like, where is that like extra little percentage on my way to 100%? So like games like uh, all the things that people speed run and go for 100%, it, it would drive me batty if I did not have 100%. So what have you done to address this weakness? Because, I mean, like I said, I I do think aspects of this can be a strength, but I've also seen it in my own life get in the way of enjoyment of things. And when you're talking about gaming, very much there was a period of my life where I actually felt unable to play a style of game I really love, role-playing games, because I was min-maxing so hard that I just wasn't even enjoying the games Mm -hmm. anymore. So, and I basically had to have a sit down with myself and be like, you cannot play these games like this anymore if you are going to get enjoyment from them. This needs to stop. Yeah. So it's similar to we've talked in the past of just like our like how I play League or how I play PUBG or any any like current game. Like I don't play the games you're talking about generally. Uh, so I, I don't know the last time that I fully immersed myself in a singular single player game because I notice that those are the types of games where I'm not interacting with other people. So it's just me and like attempting to accomplish everything. Um, so I tend to just play multiplayer games and uh, my relationship with gaming or competitive endeavors is, is that there's competition involved. They're often short in duration and I, I can immerse myself in the fun, but there's like an end to it or inevitably one of us has life to attend to and it it like stops that, that like Mm. gaming session. Um, Outside of gaming, it's being more cognizant of how many goals I'm attempting to achieve. So like this podcast in particular, so I, I know 
the stuff we're talking about. Uh, the reason I'm on this podcast is I do have some knowledge and experience in the realm of optimizing human performance. But each week or like when we're thinking of shows in the future, I do dive back into the research. I think of like what is currently coming out, like what is new research, what are new applications people have been doing. But I know that I need to fit it into a certain length of podcast. So I'm not going to like dive off the deep end into the like depths of the internet to find every last piece because I just don't have that time to talk about it each week. So I like limit myself there. I like set shorter sessions in mind for this Mm. research. What do you think about, I want to turn things back to competition for a minute. Mm. This weakness, can you think of a time it negatively impacted you as far as performance at something you were competing in, be it an event, a tournament, something like that? Um, I don't know that I had in like physical sports because my body would tell me to stop training. But I don't know. Like we've mentioned, magic. Like I've definitely gone off the deep end in like certain deck ideas and tried to force something working, and just like totally got wrapped up in this wormhole of an idea, and then just didn't have time to do something else, and then played like a really bad deck. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it happens in magic all the time. You basically get caught in an idea and you know, go way too far down the rabbit hole. But I actually do have a physical sport example of when I did this to myself, which is, which is weird because I I think it's hard to kind of find that. But when I was a football player, I was also the snapper for extra points. Uh And so that's something you, if you don't play football, you absolutely take for granted. The ball just gets snapped, (laughs) extra points are kicked. That's the end. When people mess it up, you're like, how do you mess it up? It's the easiest thing ever. It's not the easiest thing ever. There's an incredible amount of technique to it. And I started studying that because I wanted to be the best at Mm. it. And I did get very, very good at it. It's not something anyone would have appreciated besides like my holder and the kicker. But like getting to the point where the holder would catch the ball with the laces up was something I practiced. I practiced rotation, the spin. And was this actually the optimal return for my practice and study time as it related to football? Almost certainly not. Almost certainly not. I mean, you can think of a million other drills or tasks I could have been spending my time on, but I devoted a lot of time to becoming very good at this weird, weird thing Um, and probably not to my ultimate benefit. But for whatever reason, it captured my attention and I'm like, I'm going to maximize this and be the best at Mm -hmm. it. I think I've done that with the gym at times. So I've just spent tons of time and I like I still do. I'm interested in anatomy and physiology and like how our body works and motor programming and all that cool stuff. But there's a certain point where you just need to like get up and go to the gym and it doesn't matter how beautiful your plan is that like (laughs) your body gets stronger by working out, not by planning to work out. And I've definitely had times where I just like got in such a deep intellectual rabbit hole of how does our body work and how do we maximize gains and what should I be eating and drinking and doing all this when I was overcomplicating the crap out of it. And Mm. You just needed to do it basically as opposed to plan it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I love trivia and I think that's like a nice outlet for me for all this useless knowledge where I just like click like link after link in a Wikipedia page. But when I'm trying to do things that I need to do each day, like work and like I'm a husband, I'm a friend and all that, like there's other stuff that I need to do. Uh, And so all the menial stuff I try to like automatize. So all of my bills are automatically paid. I have a, a very concrete system that as long as I execute it right, my email gets answered properly for work. Uh, but if I break out of those systems, my brain just like locks in on whatever it is I'm doing and we just go. Mm. Yeah, uh, you're, you're basically calling out my life exactly. <laughs> and the difference is that I am not as good at setting up my systems. So it's it sounds like years. you're managing this. Yeah, it sounds like you're managing this much better than I am currently. Um, but maybe you'll have to share some of those systems. Maybe we'll do something like that. That could be an interesting episode, just exploring systems we use to uh, maximize our processes, both in competition and life. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good value there. That'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. So I want to share one more uh, weakness okay. before we wrap things up here. I, 
I think to some extent we have discussed this. And I also think we've discussed what I've found to be the best solution for it. But I want to review it anyway, because I think it's something I hear a lot of people mention, either in our Discord or via Twitter. And I I just want to check in on it again, because it it is a difficult thing to overcome. And I'm speaking about invasive thoughts, Mm. uh, which I would basically define as any thought which is not useful to me in the moment, in the task I'm trying to complete, I would... I would call it an invasive thought. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's a little broad. There's certainly specific kinds of invasive thoughts, but that's what I'm thinking about here. Like I'm in the midst of playing a match of Street Fighter and I'm thinking about something completely unrelated, or I'm just saying, you're definitely going to blow this game in the end. Mm. You're, you're not going to block properly on this pressure string or something like that. Um, so, something that's not useful to me in the moment. Yeah, just any form of ineffective thinking, really. Right, right. And in quieter moments, the best solution I found for this is the, um, I, I'm forgetting now what, what we called it. It's taking stock of your surroundings, grounding, oh, grounding yeah, yourself. Yeah. So doing the counting exercise, mm-hmm. uh, three things I can see, three things I can touch, three things I can smell, checking in with my senses. In quieter moments, that's how I've addressed invasive thoughts. In the midst of active competition, it becomes much harder. And for me, my response has just been, okay, you know, this is not useful. You're not achieving anything by having these thoughts. Stop. We can address this at another time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of long-winded and not the most efficient way <laughs> in the moment of competition to deal with something. But it comes up a lot in Magic the Gathering, when I find myself in position to win a tournament or for a really good finish, mm. I'll often think something along the lines of, well, you definitely don't want to blow it in this <laughs> round. This is a chance to do this, this, and this. Thanks, Brain. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Thanks for checking in. Um, and in that moment, I don't have the best system for dealing with it. And it's something that still happens all the time. Uh, you know, I would I would love to hear anything you can mm. offer on the topic. Is it something you've dealt with? Is it something you have some systems for? Or is it just like, that's uh, kind of how our brain works? It, all, uh, all the above. <laughs> yeah. it, it's definitely how our brain works. Uh, like our brain feeds us all, all sorts of ineffective thoughts. And they don't even have to be the defeatist ones. Like, hey, you're going to blow this. It could just be, man, I'm really hungry. Or I have a test tomorrow. Like it could just be things that have no relation to what we're currently doing, but they're still not effective in the moment because they're not helping us with whatever task we're trying to achieve. Um, It's really hard to change your thinking. So there's a whole realm of psychology and, and a lot of performance like practitioners talk about like cognitive behavior therapy and reframing your thoughts. And it's very, it's absolutely doable. Uh, and I think there's useful times for it. I find that in competition, it's a lot bigger of an ask to yeah to think that you're going to prepare for every thought that's not going to help you and figure out a way to replace it. Because as you said, like the thoughts are long winded. So this is where mindfulness comes in for me. Uh, I am an avid advocate and practitioner. I think. You need to, like, the base level is awareness, just understanding that at times you're going to have thoughts and emotions that don't help facilitate whatever it is you're doing. But it's almost an accelerated form of grounding at times, just figuring out where do I shift my attention to. And Mm. in the learning process, so as you're practicing, I imagine you have, like, we all have these thoughts that get in our way too, even if it's not a big moment. For me, it's really been about leaning in to whatever it is my brain and body are doing to me and just being curious about why. So if you're in the middle of playing Street Fighter and you think you're going to mess something up, like what is it about that exact moment that is Mm. making you think that's happening? That's really interesting. That's why like earlier when we were talking about your, your Facebook post, like for me, what I was curious about is like, what was Brian thinking then? And my assumption is it's some thoughts around just like wanting other people to acknowledge and a preview. But in that moment, if you like lean into 
why do I, why am I about to send this Facebook blast about everything? It's not saying to stop whatever behavior is you're doing, or it's going to stop the thoughts in your head, but it like gets you to just understand your body and your brain more and right. maybe anticipate those thoughts and eventually just accept that it's going to happen and we can do things to control it, but sometimes we can't. And we just got to figure out how to shift our attention back onto what is currently important. And it sounds really easy for me to say that in three sentences, but it's a process. Sure. <laughs> sure. No, no, it is. I, I like the idea of like finding justification for your actions. I think that's very useful. Um, especially in the context I discussed and really in all social media, I try and do that always before I post now, like, why am I actually posting this? Mm -hmm. And I always check in with that and make sure there's a purpose behind what I'm doing. And sometimes even that process of checking in still fails me. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was really dumb. Um, but at least I'm more cognizant of that. Uh, in terms of in competition, while we were talking, I, I just kind of came up with something that I want to try. Mm. And I have no basis to know whether this works. I'm excited now to apply it and see if there's any kind of results. But in the, in the moment of invasive thoughts and competition, I wonder if you can set up kind of routines to do grounding, hmm. except in the framework of what you're currently doing. So I'm playing Street Fighter and these invasive thoughts hit and I make it so my natural response is instead of acknowledging them, I check in on my EX meter, my V trigger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and my life percentage. And that's what I do every time I have a thought I don't want. I bring myself back to the game and essential metrics in that game. So if I'm playing magic, I instead count the number of lands I have in mm -hmm. play, check my opponent's cards in hand, things like that. Ways to just get yourself back in the game with some hard metrics, some hard numbers that are really concrete and more grounded than something like a kind of useless thought that might enter your your brainscape at the moment. Yeah, I've, I've had people in League of Legends use checking the mini map at, check the mini right, map yeah or just think about you know what is the next macro objective that our team needs to do and just refocusing yourself on a goal and you can also practice this outside of competition and it will help in competition so i think your soda quitting is a great example um when you inevitably like when your body is telling you hey brian diet soda have one like just think about why like even that curiosity we we're talking at the beginning of the episode just lean into why is it right now that my body wants me to do this or why am i thinking about doing this and if we practice that type of curiosity and just focus on the present moment in lots of things it's going to be a lot easier in the middle of street fighter to refocus on your ex meter because it's just this natural tendency that you've been training your body to do Right. That makes a ton of sense to me. And I don't know why I had never thought to try this before, but I'm excited to do so now. It, it seems like a possibly effective method. So I feel like we've kind of come full circle. We've, we've checked back in with Soda at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I would love to hear feedback from our listeners. Yeah. Let us know if this was something you found valuable, if you were able to find you know, mirrors to your own uh, psychological weaknesses in our discussion and our plan, assuming you didn't all hate this. So <laughs> if, if you did, make sure you tell us that too. Uh, assuming you enjoyed this episode, and I, I think you did, we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about our psychological strengths. Uh, also, in the course of the next week, we're going to be putting out the first of our workbooks over on our Patreon page. Uh, essentially, this is something mostly Jonathan's work here, which is good. You want his work, not mine. Uh, <laughs> He, he has been putting together essentially a kind of step-by-step -step guide to applying some of the uh, principles we've talked about in past episodes. Jonathan, you want to just talk real quick about a couple of the things you touched on in the, the workbook that we have coming out this week? Sure. I tried to look at some of the first episodes we did and just think about what are the things that we or like the feedback we received was most interested in applying. So in there, there's a sample for how to practice daily gratitude there's a framework that you can use to structure your practice sessions to be more deliberate about them, considering all of the principles we laid out in that episode, um, as well as a 
way to prioritize your whole week and figure out like, how do I find time for sleep? Because we've all talked about how that's important. And a lot of people have started doing that. And we tried to throw some extra resources on the end for people who do like digging around in the internet and reading more stuff and listening to more stuff. There's just a couple other ideas for people outside of Brian and myself um, to, to read or listen to, to get some more knowledge on some of these topics. Yeah, I, I think this is a really cool thing that you've put together for our listeners, and it's going to be really useful for a lot of people. I encourage you to check out our Patreon page, and you can head over there. And I think you have to be the second level of support to have access to the workbook. Uh, but I, I think this is something our listeners are definitely going to appreciate. Really excellent work from Jonathan. So check that out, and we'll be back next week to play some more head games. Head games.